teaching ministry of Pastor Taiwo Odukoya, the senior pastor of the Founding of Life Church. It is our prayer that the message you're about to hear will no doubt shapen your destiny in Christ. Be blessed as you listen. This morning, we want to continue on uh, the topic we were looking at on Thursday. There we were looking at His grace being sufficient for us. And the scripture was from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. I read, And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Glory be to God in the highest. My grace is sufficient for you. Now, to begin to dive into this this morning, I want us to have a little bit of the context. So, I would like us to back up to verse 7, as it were. So, I read it from verse 7. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Verse 8. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities than the power of Christ may rest upon me. Praise the Lord. Now, we can see a real-life situation. Not a pleasant one. Paul said, there was something buffeting me in my flesh. There was something that was torturing me. There was something tormenting me. There was something giving me some uneasy feelings. Something trying to cause a distraction in my life. Not a positive one. Trying to defocus me as it were. And it's beginning to bother me. So I decided to take it to the Lord in prayers, which is what we all do. I said, three times I sought the Lord that this thing might depart from me. And the Lord answered me and said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Oh, I see Paul wondering here, this is the torture for me. And I want it off. And Paul did what he knew to do. First of all, let me just remind you of this Paul. This was a man through whom two-thirds of the New Testament was revealed. He had a way with God that was very, very unusual. As a matter of fact, I dare say that since Paul of Tarsus, there has never been another man like him. God loved this man. God unloaded so much through this man that today, but for his revelations, the Bible would not be what it is. And if you will understand this Paul a little bit more, 
And of course, the terms by which Jesus was speaking to him, it was one man that really understood grace. But before I get into that, let me go on this. So this was this Paul with great revelations. In fact, at the beginning of this chapter, he said, I know of a man, whether alive or dead, who was caught up into paradise. And this man had some things there which, man, he was not permitted to release to the physical man. But you see, many scholars, and everybody knew that Paul was talking of himself, was his humble way of saying, I know this is possible. It has happened to me. But he won't like to boast about it. And that explains why he put it away. He put it. So what am I saying? This was a man of great insight, a highly anointed man, a man that has witnessed the power of God in many, many dimensions. For example, in Acts chapter 20, verses 9 through 12, we're told of the time that he was ministering and he ministered right into the midnight. The crowd was murmured. The people were sitting on the windows on high terraces. And this young teenager called Eutychus fell from there broke his neck and died. Paul went there and laid his hand and prayed and he came back to life. You see what I'm saying? Paul had experience. He's been honored with a lot of miracles and breakthroughs in prayers. He was a man mighty in words. On another occasion, this same Paul, this small girl with divination that had been tormenting and controlling the whole city. After following Paul for three days, the Bible said Paul turned around and fastened his eyes on him and said, and the demons of generations disappeared. So much so that those who were using that girl to make money got irritated and stirred up trouble for Paul that he was thrown into jail. So what am I saying? Demons cast out to his prayers. It was this same Paul when he was thrown in jail that at midnight he prayed and sang praises and chains were shattered. Every prisoner was set free. Paul's prayer. I'll still give you one more. Acts chapter 19. When he got to Ephesus, there were just 12 believers who were just there like they were not there because they hadn't heard of the Holy Ghost before. He took them on and started talking to them and preaching to them. In three years, they said not only Ephesus, the entire region, almost half a continent was affected. The Bible says God wrought mighty miracles through the hands of Paul. So much so that people were throwing and catching from his body to go pull on, this, on the sick, on the dead, and miracles were happening. So, Paul was not a novice to prayer. Are you here with me? But this time around, there was something tormenting him in the flesh. That's a physical problem, that is. He said, what do you mean physical? Because he said, in the flesh. <laughs> and he prayed, and he couldn't go. And he prayed three times. Now, why three times? Again, let me let you into that part of the Bible. Three times. So among the Hebrews, three is a very significant number. They believe that three actually represents divine wholeness. Even in the Bible, divine wholeness, completeness, and perfection. And I realized too that in the Bible, God expresses himself in triples. You say, what do you mean? Oh, all right. Let me take you through quickly. Glory be to God in the highest. Remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? Yes. Where he went to pray before he was arrested, and then, of course, the last event in his life before the cross. He had gone with his disciples. And he said, you guys, wait here and pray with me while I go yonder to pray. By the time he came back, they were sleeping. The Bible said he did it three times. The third time when he came back, they were like, he said, no, you don't need to die anymore. And that was when he was arrested. Why would he do it three times? Because that's the pattern of the kingdom. It's a pattern of perfection. Now as I'm speaking, you say, okay, now I understand. 
God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. God expresses himself in triples. And why does he do that? Conviction, wholeness, so that there will be no case to doubt what he's saying. Remember when uh, God was calling Samuel? Three times he called him before he was giving advice on what to do by Eli. And that just reminded me in my culture when, when our parents would talk to us in those days, and even right now in our culture, when they want to really stress something important, they'll call it him, for example, they'll say, Taiwo. I say, Sir. Taiwo, Sir. Taiwo, Sir. Then they will now ask the question, How many times did I call you? Then I'll say, Three times. I say, Good. I call you three times. So listen. You know what that means? Emphasis. The importance of what I'm about to tell you. How seriously I want you to take it. So we see that. It's divine emphasis. It's divine wholeness. And it is completion. Remember too that going up the mountain to reveal himself to disciples, it took only three of them to witness. That's the Mount of Transfiguration. So it's just the pattern. Again, I remind you, Daniel, after the trouble that was set up for him, he should not call on any God. The Bible said, according to his pattern, he went to his house, opened his window towards the east, and three times in a day he will pray. So we begin to see that for Paul to say, I sought the law three times, he was saying, I did the needful. I did all that could be done. I did all that should be done. And besides, uh, this was not a man small and anointing. It wasn't a man that hadn't experienced these things before. So now the position he found himself was perplexing. When I come in the name of Jesus, things happen. When I say, Father, in the name of Jesus, things happen. How come this thing is so much as a torture and yet it will not budge? I don't know what you are going through today. Is your case similar? Are you saying I've prayed on my life over this matter? I don't understand. Are you saying when I agree with someone over an issue, they get results? Why is my case different? So can I just say a little bit on the mystery of seemingly unanswered prayers? Yeah. So as far as Paul was concerned here, God did not answer his prayer. But it's not the same with with God. As far as God was concerned, he was answering his prayers. So what am I trying to say? What I'm saying in effect is this. God answers when we pray. But a lot of times, not in the way and manner that we expect it. To prove that Paul will assume that God did not answer. His prayer was specific. Let this thing depart. It did not depart. But does that translate to unanswered prayers? The natural man, you and I will say yes. But as far as God is concerned, no. God was answering his prayers. And how did he answer? My grace is sufficient for you. Wow. So can we talk on this grace for a little while? Because the way Paul reacted to that is amazing. The moment Jesus said that to him, and he went on to say, my strength is made perfect in weakness, Paul responded with, therefore most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest 
on me. So let's talk on this grace for a while. What's the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? Grace in its simplest definition means unmerited favor. I'm sure if I want to pray for you, and I said, may you find the favor of God. May you find favor with God and with men. Your amen will be very loud. Because you understand what favor means. Favor means that things that your strength or your financial capacity cannot give you, you will access. Everybody likes that. And it's, it's not so far. That's exactly what I'm saying. So what your strength cannot handle, I will handle for you. That's simply what I'm saying. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is adequate enough for you. My grace is more than what you need to overcome and much more. But I think what I need to overcome is take it away. He's saying, ah, my grace is there with you. And Paul understood. And Paul just changed as it were. And like we are established on Thursday, his fears was assuaged immediately. Why? His thought before now was, man, this thing is likely going to truncate my mission. This thing will likely make me a failure. This thing will make it in such a way that I might never finish at all. The way this thing is going, I am afraid I'll get killed in this matter. But the moment Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you, he knew something. He knew that whether it's going to be by crawling or by rolling or by jumping, he will get there. Anyhow, if God says it, he will do it. And that brings me to the importance of this very statement. Number one, the one who said it will determine whether it's going to come to pass or not. Remember what Jesus said in the gospel? He said, rather than a jot of my word to pass on fulfilled, heaven and earth will have to disappear. So Paul had come to a place where he knew that if Jesus said it, then I can as well just continue. There came at that point a change of mindset. So his mindset changed from I may die, I may not finish, uh, to I know I will finish. How? I don't know, but I know I will finish. And remember, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So number one, the victory started with Paul at that moment. But the thorn in the flesh had not been removed. Can you now see that God does answer our prayers? Only sometimes, not in the way we define the answer that they do come. I say to someone here today, regardless of the situation you may be in, God is answering your prayers in the name of Jesus. Hear me well. His grace is sufficient for you. You will not be stagnated in this matter. You will not die in this matter. You are coming through in the name of Jesus. You are finishing well in Jesus' name. So having established that, what does it mean to say sufficient for you? It's adequate. Many take grace, like I said, to be a marital favor, which is good. And vis-a-vis sin, how do we see it? Leniency of every sins I've committed. You are right. But much more than just leniency, it is an empowerment. So what will grace do? Grace will remove the guilt 
and remove the repercussions of sin and give you power to withstand sin. So sin will never be able to get you to where he got you before you encountered grace. So grace is an empowerment. And that was what he was saying. My grace is sufficient for you. But I found Paul later saying the same thing. In 2 Corinthians in chapter 9, in verse 8, Paul was writing to the Corinthian church. Guess what he said? He said, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance unto every good work. It's able to make all grace abound toward you. And what will that do? You have all sufficiency in all things. And you have abundance for every good work. When the Bible uses good, it's a finished work. You see what you mean? The Bible says that Paul was talking to Timothy. He said, hey, you fight the good fight of faith. It's a fight you're going to fight because, yes, it's a fight that you are going to win. It's a fight that you have won. So it's a good fight. You are fighting a good fight, a fight that will know the outcome. But you've got to fight. But it's a good fight. Again, he was talking to him at the time. So all, with all the prophecies that have come over your life, war a good warfare. So when what you are going through is tagged as good, or the process by which you are going through it is tagged as good, it's because you are winning. You are finishing well. And see what he says here. He says, it will make all this abound towards you. So you have all sufficiencies in all things. And then you have an abundance for every good work. You will finish well. So Paul was using the same words with which Jesus encouraged him to encourage the church at Corinth. That you may not you may look like you don't have much, but as much as you want to do in terms of the expansion of the kingdom, God will make his grace available to you. You will do a good work. You have all that you will need to do it. And that was exactly what he understood by that. And that's what I'm saying to someone here today. I don't know what the puzzle is in your life. I don't know what the hassle is. Like I said, before I came on the set last Thursday, a dear sister was talking to me. And she was saying, no, 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 I don't understand this stuff. And at that point, that was when people started calling. And when we called from church too, and God was proving to her that, look, my grace is sufficient. I've not abandoned you like she thought. I am still with you. And I will see you through. God's grace is ever available. He will see you through. Now, why would Paul now begin to say, I would rather boast? Number one, because he has a change of mindset. And number two, because now he's going to now live by faith. You say, why faith? Because grace never works except by faith. If I say to you, if I see you going through, you're owing so much, your debt is in the thousands of naira. And I see you're trying to kill yourself, falling ill every day, in and out of hospital. Why? Because of 300,000 naira? And I can afford it. I say, you know what? Relax. Relax. By the grace of God, I'll, I'll do something about it. He will still be looking at me. I said, by the way, how much do you owe? He says, 300,000. I'll make a transfer of 400,000 to your account tonight. Tonight. Do you think that guy will still will continue to feel bad like he was before? All of a sudden, a list of life will come into him. Why? Because I've just spoken to him. Now, why is he getting well? Why is his mood changing? Why is he now preparing to face the future? Because of the grace of Taiwo Dukoya, who is living 
on the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We promised to give him 400,000. When he thought he would never be able to pay 300,000 the whole of his life. But the question is this. Has he received it yet? No. What did he receive? A word. A promise. So why is he feeling better? He started to exercise faith immediately in the word that I say. The same thing with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is available to you. But until you begin to exercise faith in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The vilest offender is totally cleansed and translated into the kingdom of his death son and made a saint. Why? Because it's not by works of righteousness. It's by grace through faith. So there are answers and much more to whatever questions you have in your heart today. There are solutions and more than you can think of to whatever problems you are going through today. No pity is too deep that the grace of God cannot wrench you out from. I like the way the psalmist puts it in Psalm 40 verse 3. He said, he set me. He said, he delivered me out of a horrible pit. Hallelujah. And then plucked my feet from the mary clay and steadied it on the solid ground to stay. Then he establishes my going. God will not only save you, pull you out of that horrible pit. He will establish your going in the name of Jesus. It is just stop there. See, now he puts a new song in my mouth. You will sing a new song in Jesus' name. I know that we're in trying times. But regardless of how trying it is, please hear me and hear me well. We are finishing well in Jesus' name. Like Paul, have a change of mindset. Today, you are coming out. The Bible says, weeping men do the whole night. So joy comes in the morning. And it is not how you started, remember? It's how you finish. You will finish well in Jesus' name. I say you will finish well in Jesus' name. Still on, my strength is very perfect in weakness. Let me read to you what we have in Passion's translation. And listen to how it reads. But he answered me, my grace is always more than enough for you. And my power finds its full expression. Oh, I like that. Through your weakness. So I will celebrate my weakness, Paul now began to say. For when I am weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. I love that. Like the example I gave you. If that guy didn't get into the problem he got into, of only 300,000 that he now thought he would never be able to pay and that would kill him, how would he have realized that God could pay up that debt and give him an extra 100,000? So sometimes we're in trouble, not because God is not able, but because we get carried away by the pressures of the problem. But God is ever saying, you were saved by grace. You will end this journey by grace. Why don't you have grace in me right now? In the church where I grew up, we had a visitor. The man was saying something. And then given an analogy, I don't know, I can't remember what he was preaching about, but he's given an analogy of um, the sermon. And he said, in one of the foreign countries, European countries, the American ambassador was there. He happened to have a friend. He said, this guy was so worried about the way things were on earth, and particularly in the foreign mission. And he would walk, he would walk himself out night and day. He was having sleepless nights. He started falling ill. Then this friend approached him, who happens to be a man of God. He says, sir, do you believe that before you were born, God took care of the earth? 
He said, yeah. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. Do you believe that after you are gone, God will still be taking care of the earth? He said, sure. He said, so what makes you think that he's not in charge right now? So that was his saying. Can't you just trust him? I'm not advocating laziness. But I'm saying you don't need to walk yourself to death. Or worry yourself to death when the grace of God is available for you. The problem is that most of us think too much. And by thinking, we think we can outthink God. We can't. Hear Paul to the Ephesian church. Unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we can ever ask or think. Let God. Let go. That was the crux of the message there. Now, hear this. Then Paul now said in this Passion Translation, My grace is always more than enough for you, and my power finds its full expression in your weakness. How high is the mountain? That seems unassailable. How rough is the terrain that makes you think, No, 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 there's no way I can pass through? How wide is the river that I think I can't swim through? We find examples of God. Ah. taking his people through all these problems. You say, mountain, what about the mighty walls? The mighty walls of Jericho. They came down without a stone being thrown. What about the Red Sea? They walked through. What about the desert? Almost all of them died there. But two people who lived by faith, Caleb and Joshua, they got into the promised land. So how bad is your situation? Please hear me. His grace is sufficient for you. His grace is favor. His grace is empowerment. His grace is direction. His grace is focus. Will you let God? I continue. So Paul now said, I will celebrate my weakness. Yeah. The version already said, I will boast in my weakness. He said, I will celebrate my weakness. Of course, why won't you celebrate? Now, for that guy that owed 300,000 and he t- that thought that he would die in it, that suddenly had a flip of a breakthrough and extra more, was it a time of sadness or celebration? No. Of course, as we come, hey, the Lord is good. The yay is good. Oh, well, well. <laughs> it has turned to singing. His sorrow are turned to singing. His fears are turned to victory and celebration. I decree in your life that which is keeping you down today will become your celebration tomorrow in the name of Jesus. So one lesson out of this is this. Don't you ever give up on God. Don't. You know what the devil does? He isolates you by mounting pressure around your problem. And the moment he has firewalled you, guess what he's going to do? He will now begin to tell you lies. You see, nobody likes you. You are a failure. You messed up before everybody. You are the worst person that ever lived. At that point, the only voice you are hearing is that of the devil. And chances are, you will never come out. But because of the Spirit of God inside of you, the Bible says, according to the power that works in you, Ephesians 3.20, you keep on hearing, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. And 
in spite of the lies and lies and tons of lies of the devil, that single phrase, Jesus' grace is of for me. We get you back on your feet. We give you a hope for tomorrow. Hear what Rick Warren said about that. Rick Warren said, what gives me the most hope every day is God's grace. Knowing that his grace is going to give me the strength for whatever I face. Knowing that nothing is a surprise to God. I say it again. What gives me the hope every day is God's grace. Knowing that his grace is going to give me the strength for whatever I face. Knowing that nothing is a surprise to God. That's right. Your situation is not a surprise to God. Even where you have messed up to get here, his grace is available for you. And the interesting thing is that it will not only bring you out, it will fortify you and strengthen you against a repeat. The devil will never get you down again. Not in your life, in Jesus' name. Because now you have an experience of what the power of God can do. And you are no more a slave to the lies of the devil. I see a glorious tomorrow for you. I see a time of celebration. If you are seeking your body, the Bible says that healing is the children's meat. As a point of contact, just stretch your hand towards me or just make contact with your screen or your computer or television. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke your spirit of infirmity. I say, take your hands off them in Jesus' name. The Bible says, by his stripes we were healed. I command your healing in the name of Jesus. So I say, rise up and be healed in Jesus' name. I want to pray for the peace of your home. Receive peace in the name of Jesus. In your marriage, I say, peace in the name of Jesus. In your heart, peace in the name of Jesus. In the life of your children, peace in the name of Jesus. I speak peace over your spouse's life and over all your endeavors in the name of Jesus. And I release the joy of God over you and yours in Jesus' name. Remember, His grace is sufficient for you. Until next Sunday or Thursday, 9 a.m. during our showers, always remember, you don't need to carry a necessary burden. Let Jesus do it for you. His grace is sufficient for you. We know that you have been tremendously blessed by this message. For additional information and materials from Pastor Taiwo Odukoya, please contact us at the Founding of Life Church, 12 Industrial Estate Road by PZ Industries of Town Planning Way in Lupeju, Lagos. P.O. Box 698, Shemolu, Lagos. Visit our website at www.tfolc.org. Thank you and God bless you.